Yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome to Africa Rising, Africa Rising podcast. This is the podcast that discusses travel, tourism, and uh, everything around the subjects in Africa. We think that it's important for us to begin to be putting Africa out there as one destination with a focus on leisure travel, business travel, meetings, incentive conferences, and exhibitions, and, you know, different travels on the continent. This is a beautiful continent. From the north right on to the start to the middle to east west right to the indian ocean and atlantic ocean countries africa is the place to visit and we think that it's important to uh, shine our continent and the good things that are on this continent for people within the continent to travel to different places and people from outside to come and visit our continent the goal of the africa rising podcast and some of the content that we're creating around uh, promoting destination africa is to ensure improvement in the arrivals of international tourists and intra-Africa tourism and the concomitant tourism receipts for African destinations. That's to say that we think that Africa needs a lot of people traveling onto our continent and also ensuring that we get the best out of that, improving the revenues that Africa needs so much to develop our continent. In um, the year that is said to be the, the golden year of travel, 2019, there were 1.2 billion people who travel around the world. Africa had just a small share of that, 4.5% of the total uh, global travel uh, for that year. I mean, the following year was when COVID struck. So everybody thought that the numbers were bigger than that. Then COVID came in 2020 and uh, it took the numbers away. But in that year, um, there were about 52 million people who traveled into Africa. Other, other continents had larger shares. And so there's a need for us to look at how to properly uh, let the world know that this is the most beautiful continent, first of all. There's safety in Africa. There's a lot that they can experience when it comes to Africa. And so we want to use Africa Rising as a way to project the continent and to promote the good things that we have. We have heritage. We have uh, wildlife. We have beaches. We have different things that are exciting for those who want to visit Africa to, to uh, come and experience. My name is Francis Doku. And uh, this is the Africa Rising podcast. And we'll come to you every week. We'll record the people who understand what travel is, have conversations with them. We talk to travelers, tourists. We talk to people who uh, have knowledge about travel and have knowledge about, about, about tourism on the African continent. I will call this at the Pebble Studio in Accra. This is a, a, a podcast for the whole of Africa, promoting Africa as a destination. So we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened over the past few days and past few weeks on the continent and give some tips on travel around the continent, give some tips about aviation, about uh, some of the great things that are happening on the continent. I'll come back and talk about one very significant thing that happened this week in October, 
which is going to take effect from November. So we'll be back soon. And welcome to the Africa Rising podcast. So this is the Africa Rising podcast. My name is Francis Doku. Uh, we're coming to you from Pebble Studio in Accra. And um, we record this uh, podcast here every week. And uh, if, if we, we talk about things about Africa. We talk about travel. We talk about uh, leisure travel, business travel, mice, and uh, everything about travel in Africa. And we have somebody who is uh, a kind of an expert on uh, aviation uh, in Africa, it's uh, Dominic Andor, and uh, Dominic is, is 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 here with us to have a discussion on some of the key things that are happening in aviation this year, and uh, especially this week. Hello, Dominic. Hello. Welcome to the Africa Rising podcast. Um, uh, we are creating something that would have conversation about travel, about tourism, and everything around it on the African continent from the perspective of Africa continent with Africa as a destination you know, and how we can kind of push our continent out there for people to travel. I mean, ourselves as citizens of the continent to travel on our continent and also for uh, people outside to visit our continent. As I, as I mentioned in my introduction, Africa is able to co- command only about 5% of the global travel uh, uh, arrivals, but significantly also very little investment, travel investment on the continent. So we're trying to look at how we can push ourselves out there to uh, increase arrivals on the continent and also intra-Africa travel. So thanks for joining us. We want to talk about aviation and uh, some of the things that have happened and what tips you have for for travelers on the continent in regards to uh, airplane, airports, you know, and stuff around aviation. What is happening on the continent currently from, from your perspective? Uh, well... The key things happening is that post-COVID, things are looking really good, especially for African careers and African travel or African aviation in general. Most of the careers, in fact, almost all of them, have returned to their pre-pandemic figures during double daily flights. Some have increased beyond even when 2019, uh, which was a very good year. They did. Is it what is the like the golden year of travel, uh, 2019? Exactly. But sometimes you, you sit down and think, ah, did we even have a pandemic? Yeah. People are really traveling now, and airlines have scaled up big time, acquiring planes here and there, increasing frequency, opening uh, routes to secondary and tertiary cities in various uh, parts of Africa. For instance, uh, if you take Zimbabwe, Harare, the capital, they already fly to. Now they are doing other destinations like uh, Bulawayo and other tertiary cities. So in one country, you find that one airline will fly to the main capital itself, a secondary city, and a third city. I think if it's about where they do Vic Falls. Yes, they do Vic Falls, you do Bulawayo, then you do the capital itself. Yeah. But not really would have just been the capital, but things are really looking up. And uh, things are picking up. People are traveling more often. 
even before 20, uh, for what we had in 2019. I mean, people are traveling now more than what we had in 2019. I think pandemic fatigue and all that, so yeah. uh, we're looking up for uh, the aviation sector in Africa. So one of the bigger hubs uh, on the continent, I know, for instance, that Ethiopia is um, has been uh, one of the most profitable airlines. Um, South Africa Airways had a lot of difficulty. I think they had to uh, kind of close and revamp and then are back now. What, what, what's happening in those spaces in terms of airline ownership and uh, hubs across the continent? Okay. Um, in terms of that, I'll talk about five main things. One, Asuka Airlines in Togo. Alaska Airlines is building or has built something really remarkable. The Togolese government, Ecobank, and then Ethiopian Airlines came together to establish that. And Ethiopia are the managers of Alaska Airlines. Yeah. They built something really wonderful in Togo, uh, something that we envy here in Ghana. Because now, Alaska Airlines, based on frequency alone, is the largest foreign carrier coming to Ghana. They fly here four times a day. Four times a day. That's huge. Four times. Yes, their frequency is four times. And all, always booked fully? Almost always. Okay. They are passengers. Their southernmost point is South Africa. Their westernmost, we know, is Lome. And then they had no connection to the, the eastern side. Ethiopian takes yeah, that. Yeah, but now they have a direct connection to Kenya. Oh, okay. They can fly from here, connect through Lome, straight to Kenya. That is now their easternmost destination and towards the north they have in jamena in the north okay so it's like all the four points they are there now hmm. and the, the the flights they just launched to kenya is full causing the likes of kenya which also react and try and give some freebies here and there because the competition is great yeah you know yeah and they are not doing this with their small small aircraft they are quite bigger aircraft the 737 max to do the east african routes and next year Imagine Asuka that started small from Lume. It was a very small airline yeah. not too long ago. From next year, they are doing Lume to Madrid, Lume, Paris. And we are sitting here in Ghana. What, what happens with their, their kind of uh, partnership with Ethiopian? Is it still uh, something that's, that's, that's on, given that they're now going to go? Yeah. Ethiopian has shares in Asuka, but they also gave them the management contract. So yes, Ecobank owns shares. Togolese government just bought shares in Asuka and then private individuals. They've given that to Ethiopian. So Ethiopian is the one doing the management of the airline on behalf of the shareholders. Oh, okay. The next one I'll talk about nowadays, which is always in the news now, is Angola. Angola, TAG Angola, the international carrier, okay. which the government is now trying to revamp it, uh, recapitalize it properly and privatize it. It, it, collapsed, it collapsed at some point, right? Like it went down. Yes, but it's so strong. I mean, especially when it comes to going to Latin America. Okay. Brazil and the likes, they are really strong when it comes to that space. They've ordered a lot of aircraft, I think 15 to 20 aircraft, that we expect delivery from probably in a year's time. That will start coming into augmented the fleets they already have. They are really investing heavily in it because they know that, I mean, if you build one runway, is the, the route everywhere instead of building roads everywhere. So Tagangola is also doing well. I mean, the government has actually set it out such that they are going to invest heavily in it, open Angola properly to the world. So they are also doing well. The Latin America route, Brazil and the rest is them. Okay. Very dominant in that space. I mean, they, they compete against the likes of the traditional European carriers like Tap Portugal, who likes to fly to Latin America, that, that, Latin America uh, yeah. colonial past. Okay. But Tagangola is also doing very well in that space. Yeah. 
The next one we will talk about. Do you know, for instance, how many fleets they have? Target has close to seven or eight. Okay. And they have just ordered almost 15 planes. Oh, wow. Just this week alone, almost about 15. That is expect to be delivered by next year. In a year, yeah. yeah. In a year, will start coming in. Right. And they want to try and prop it up as much as possible. And then government will sell off about 49% or 50% of the airline to a private investor. Okay. Those who now manage it and make sure that Angola is also well connected to the global trade system. So currently, it's, it's it's fully owned by the state, the Angola government. Yes. And then some markets we talk about is Nigeria, their national carrier, etc. There are a lot of challenges, but we've noticed that the domestic players are now scaling up. United Nigeria Airlines, Airpiece, of course, Ibom Air. Ibom Air is, is, has, has launched a route to Accra, I think this week, right? They are coming to town. They are coming to town. Tuesday. Okay, all right, coming week. They are doing daily flights. And guess what? Ibom Air is known by the government, or it's known by a state government. The Ibom government, state government owns the airline. Oh, okay. And it operates out of Ibom. That particular state, they own the airline. Mm. So it's going to be a very tough competition for the likes of us, Africa World Airlines. Because it's not just Ibom Air that has been granted a permission to come. United Nigeria Airlines. Dominic, there seem to be some, uh, I don't know, whatever plagues Nigerian Airlines. They start very well and then, you know, along the line, something terrible happens and then they, they their service begins to decline. Then before you realize, they're gone. It's happened to a few of the airlines. In fact, people even have a lot of issues with peace, uh, peace uh, you know, for instance. You know, so it's kind of typical, isn't it? Yes, but with uh, Ibom Air and United, they've taken their time. Ibom Air, for instance, is very dominant in secondary and tertiary routes in Nigeria. Fly from Akwai, fly to Port Harcourt, fly to Oyo. So was so was Eric. Eric or Eric had their bases within that side. Yeah, Eric, for instance, was very strong in 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 that space for a, for a while, and then suddenly, you know, things began to happen, and it it kind of went off. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe. Oh, it's true. Eric yeah. had its own issues, you know. But the, the, the main difference between Ibom and then Eric, for instance, is that because Ibom is owned by the state government, like uh, in Ghana, we have regional, like the regional government. Yeah. They make sure that the funding, the resources they need to run is there. But Eric wasn't owned by such a state government, you know, individual. It was a privately owned, like, yeah. Yes. If your money runs out, then it becomes a problem. But if the governor of the state and the people of the state realize that this airline is facilitating movement and connecting us to the trading system. I mean, who would have thought Aqua Ibum of all places will fly or fly to Aqua Ibum from Accra, can fly from here, connect to Lagos to Aqua Ibum, go to Oyo, go to this, go to that. Yeah. They have really built their base in Nigeria well. And uh, for them, I mean, for the regional carriers in West Africa, if you really want to succeed, you have to try and do regional flights. But the regional flight that will give you dollars. And dollars is what will help you keep your business running. As for the local currencies and the small, small domestic money you make, it's not enough to Absolutely. keep you running and even break even and make profit. But, but what's the implication for the likes of uh, Africa World Airlines? You know, because for a while they have dominated the route between Accra and Lagos and maybe even Abuja. What, what's, what's the implication of all this? You have to compete. Either you compete based on equipment, that my equipment is better than yours. I compete based on the frequency. 
if let's say uh, Ibom Air is flying twice a day, oh, they just fly twice. Oh, even then, like uh, a plane to Lagos, oh, we are here five times, fly us. But that was one of the key things that got endeared Africa World Airlines to the Nigerian market because their own carriers will fly once or twice, no more. Africa World is small, they were complaining, you no know, Nigerians like big things. Africa World is small. Everybody likes big things, but when we had no choice. <laughs> they were thinking, ah, it's too small, but guess what? They were able to break into the market based on frequency and on time performance. So they tell you, we are here five times, three times a day, four times a day. If it's six, six, they are flying. But a, this is a line, they fly on time. They're always available, we'll fly them. That's how they caught up. So they have to also match what Ibom is doing. But unfortunately for them, it's not just Ibom. United Nigeria Airlines is also coming. Okay. Uh, owned by the university professor. We expect that they also start uh, flying to Accra probably later, later, quarter, quarter. From this year, January, February, they also start flying. Oh. So we will have United Nigeria Airlines, we will have Ibum Air, we will have uh, Airpeace, <laughs> and then on the Ghana side, we will have Africa World Airlines. Passion says they're not ready to go regional now because they want to um, build their pace a bit. And then secondly, because of the issues with repatriation of funds from Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. is the biggest market yeah. in the sub-region. You fly to Nigeria, you make money, but you're unable to repatriate your dollars. But Nigeria, top five countries in the world where airline monies are stuck. Nigeria is number one. Nigeria, Algeria, Nigeria, Algeria, Ethiopia, um, uh, South Sudan. There are five of them. Then they are all they are all in Africa. Oh, there are some in Eastern Europe, of course. Okay, the Europeans right. also have their share. Yeah. Eastern Europe, they have those issues. But Nigeria is a, it's a big problem. That's why the lies of Emirates will pull out. Because when so much money is stuck there, you can't pull it out. All the airlines will tell you, their money is locked up in Nigeria. So in Nigeria, when they have to buy tickets, the lower inventories are not available to them. Because the airline, when you buy the ticket, it takes forever for them to be able to get a fraction of it. To reimburse you. Give you the high-end inventories to buy from. Otherwise, use your visa card, buy online, so that at least visa will settle yeah. some of those uh, monies to the airline's home country, then they can get some dollars from there. Sure. Those those are the major issues with the Nigerian ones. Okay. Well, where else are uh, we looking at? You, you mentioned five. East Africa. Yeah, East Africa. Africa. East Africa, Ethiopian Airlines. Yeah. Well, they have, they, have, they have built something really wonderful. They are still scaling up big time. In Ghana, for instance, they are going to start flying here double day double daily from October 29th. I think the same time as B. B is also increasing their frequencies to um, 10. Double so day? Twice? Give you a day, double daily. That means twice a day. Twice a day, yeah. Twice a day. Wow. Yes. From next month? 29th. Yeah. 29th, this month. From October. Okay. All right. Wow. Then British Airways, on the same day, British Airways is also scaling up. They're adding three more flights. So instead of seven flights per week, they're not doing 10. They're going to do 10 more flights. 10, flight. 10 flights per week. I think three into Gatwick and seven into Heathrow. Oh, okay. On the 29th October, B is scaling up. 29th, it could be as in double daily flights. Wow. So um, that will, I mean, our, our, our airport to become a bit more uh, uh, active <laughs> than, than it is. It is. We, we need it. Yeah. It has invested a lot of money in the airport on ground infrastructure, but we don't have. We are well connected anyway, but we need more frequencies to be able to, you know, get some money in and then they break it in. Because uh, put together put money that we earn is what we use to subsidize all the other regional airports. They can't take care of themselves. So is that you're able to attract more airlines into Kotaka or those here, you get them to depend their frequencies. So. Would anything would anything change with the expansion of the Kumasi airport to an international airport? 
would some of these flights, you know, go to Kumasi? Kumasi is a bit of a problem. In fact, I've done uh, feasibility study for two or three airlines. The major issue is of a runway. The terminal building is big, but the runway is limited. So okay. that's or something. That's how they are expanding it. The biggest plane that can land in Kumasi is a 737. They can't go beyond that. 737 is just like the the brand new 737 that Ethiopia uses for their evening flights. Mm -hmm. It's about basically 190 something passengers. They can't take a bigger aircraft to Kumasi. Oh, wow. Because the runway is short. Okay. Okay. So any okay. airline going to Kumasi has to do all those dynamics. If I have to fly all the way from Qatar to Kumasi direct, and I'm flying just 190 passengers, so, so will I be able to make even break even? But the GCA didn't think of all that? when they were trying to expand the airport or they didn't have enough space to be able to do that or they were hoping that so there wasn't enough space yeah. there wasn't enough space i remember three years ago four years ago when the evening started i went in the evening for a visit the end the runway one end is a highway if you look at the kumasi one mm. the other side is a big highway the road so you don't know what to do cut through the road or what do you do with the road area okay end. Well, they are constrained for space when it comes to the runway. After the terminal building, they could do it. So any flights coming into Kumasi, we have to now know that the maximum you can take there is a certain threshold. Okay. So the dynamics I have looked at and some airlines, few airlines we've done some work for, are all looking at the 737 if it's possible, the dynamics. Otherwise, the regional ones, they can do it. I mean, APs can go. Ibu can decide to go. Askai. Askai can go. Okay. You can use a Q4, Q400. Or a seven three seven, so a seven three seven, the lower version, seven three seven. So um, on East Africa and the TV lines, so they are doing double daily to classroom, and um, there are a few discussions here and there because uh, the, the, now we see a lot more traffic to Northern uh, Northern America, especially Canada, okay. and then uh, some other countries, some other cities in the US. Dominic, we we have to we have to wrap up in a, like a minute or so. What about Southern Africa? In Southern Africa, we have a very good news. I mean, something we've been fighting for for a long time. Yeah, I was going to come to that. <laughs> Four years, right? Yeah. So now at least South African Airways is doing a lot of business. And the new South African Airways, South Africa is 2.0, is doing well. I mean, they started expanding, opening up more routes. So we expect that now South African Airways will even do a lot more. Are they going to go back to the to the Washington route, do you think? I wouldn't be surprised if they apply for it because the airport company need more airlines to start flying uh, from Kotoka to some of those routes. I wouldn't be surprised if they apply. I know they applied to do Kofi at that time, but mm. they didn't renew their fee freedom for them. But I know they will, they will soon apply for it. Oh, okay. Okay, but but having come back, um, how, are they, how are they doing now, you know? Uh, since they, they came oh, back no. to think about it, yeah, now, folks. So, the major no. issue was with the visa issue, because the visa issue was really killing the airline. The airline was expanding, doing well. Accra has always been a very special child to South African Airways. But the visa issues and those things were the main stumbling block. But now that that's out of the way, we expect that they will do a lot more. I mean, of course, if you talk about the economies on the continent, the bigger ones, South Africa, South Africa, Nigeria, West Africa, Egypt, you know, before Morocco and all that, now. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so those are the bigger ones. So, so, so maybe we should just touch on the on the visa issue a bit before you go. You know, um, as mentioned, it's been it's been hanging for a while. Um, we we understood that Ghana 
was pushing for 180 days and South Africa insisted on 90 days. Why were we asking for 180 days to, I mean, to, to I begin with? But, 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 but this is good news, right? This is good news. From 1st November, uh, Ghanaians would not need to have a visa before traveling to South Africa. Similarly, South Africans on an ordinary passport would just pick their bag and come to Ghana, right? Oh, yeah. It's, so it's good news. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder why our people will sit down. We have to lobby. I'll tell you the work we've done in the background. Some top, top people. Uh, after Secretary, Secretary General has to go, get involved, go to his home affairs ministry, take our stories here, go and show it to them, try and get them to act. Why must it come to that? I think guys just, they just offered it to us like that. I mean, just take this, but we dilly dallied for four years. Yes. Uh, people, I don't know why sometimes we waste so much time on some of these things. I mean, but what's the implication? I mean, on a bigger scale of, you know, in, in, in Africa travel, I, I think one of the biggest issues that uh, has hampered a travel on the continent is visas to different countries. But this like a big start to a lot that could happen, right? It's true. In fact, um, I was planning some uh, trip with some guys. And we're talking about Southern Africa. And so from Namibia, we do South Africa. There's South Africa issues, which we ignore them. So I changed the whole thing to East Africa. That we can easily do East Africa. Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, you don't need yes. visas to all these countries. You can just do all those trips. Yeah. And now this happens. Mm-hmm. So now I, I was just telling them that the next one we have to push is Namibia. Yes, Namibia, two, three weeks, you get a visa. But I think all those countries, Namibia, Botswana, they need to come to the party. Yeah. Once you're able to get rid of the Namibia one, I think Botswana, Botswana we don't need visa to go. Once you're able to get... And that out of the way it means you when you pick your back, you know you are doing three, four countries in Southern Africa, you are doing it. Mm. East Africa, that one, you know, Ghanaians, we, we have a very free yeah. pass to a lot of these places. So in a nutshell, we think that travel will pick up a lot more business and trade commerce will flourish under the AFTAC. And then most importantly, we will see a lot more trading among ourselves. Because the truth is that I mean in Africa if AFTAC is to sustain is the airlines. There's no way shipping will help. You can't ship anything from Kenya all the way to Ghana. It has to go around South Africa, down South Africa, all the way up here. No, it's fair. Yeah. Air travel is what will facilitate after trading businesses. So once we are able to get some of these visa restrictions out of the way, things will improve. Tourism, travel, commerce, and business will flourish. Thank you so much, uh, Dominic. Um, we would come back to you another time when we're recording for an update on what's happened since we spoke on the continent. Thank you. Very grateful for your time. We wish you all the best. You're Yeah, I'm here with uh, Abdul Hassan Munkaila, who yeah. is the producer of this podcast. Munkaila, uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Francis. We set out to do something very, uh, very big for the continent. Absolutely. Yeah, as I mentioned, not just big, unique. Unique. <laughs> as I mentioned, yeah. Africa is a very beautiful continent. It we is. have a lot. I mean, I think we are the most, the warmest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And we want to extend our, our borders to people from outside. People who are just like us in different countries on the continent mm-hmm. or so inter Africa, and then people from outside the continent to come onto our continent. Absolutely. 
Um, unfortunately, we are the least country when it, a continent, continent when it comes to uh, travel. Mm. The number of people who travel onto our continent is not as other continents get the numbers. There must be different reasons. You know, things like marketing aspect, you know, marketing, yeah. promotion, promotion, uh, security. Some people complain, uh, transportation and access. You know, sometimes it's a bit more difficult traveling from one country in Africa to the other than traveling from the continent to say Europe or America, or even the Middle East, you know, and all that. All these things have added to the fact that we're unable to command the numbers that other continents command. But we think that with a podcast like Africa Rising, we'll talk about those issues and look at how to remove those barriers. Absolutely. That would ensure that we're able to. So what, what's your perspective when it comes to this particular thing that we are creating? You know, you and I have been on this way too long, and this is not the first time we've come up with ideas like this. And uh I remember when we used to be somewhere else before we got here. <laughs> we we brought yeah, talking about the radio show we <laughs> had for about three years. Absolutely, called, uh, travel, travel pass back at exactly, and we yeah. did quite well in uh, projecting the image of not just Ghana but Africa in its entirety by making sure that we put on policymakers on our show to be able to look at the issues critically. You know, as you mentioned, Africa has beautiful places, has beautiful sites. In your introduction, you mentioned the beaches, you mentioned a lot of wildlife wildlife and all of that. And one thing in Ghana, in Ghana, Mm -hmm. one of the countries in Africa, Yeah, (laughs) I think Ghana has some of the oldest European edifices in the castles of Emlina Castle, Castle, and all that. And many people who even when 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 you parade through the streets of Kuptakradi, for instance, you where um, I had a lot of uh, I mean the slave activities actually took place even here in Jamestown and Accra. You you could see when you walk past those streets how these edifices that have been left by the Europeans. I mean. they, they sort of project the beauty of how what we've gone through as a country. I remember where I have my problem has to do with the culture of maintenance, which is another con- conversation that we're going to have yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I feel that uh, Africa has a lot to do. Back on our conversation on Africa, yeah. we have a lot to do. We haven't sold Africa. We haven't, Africa hasn't been sold out properly. And it's important that policymakers actually come together. And one of the means that we believe that that can be done is through our beautiful show, African Rising, yeah. where we get to connect Africa you know, from the west to the north, to the east, to, to the, the south. south you and know. talk about the great things that are on this continent. I mean, for example, Munkaila, yeah. um, this year, earlier this year, I think mm-hmm. around May, June, I was in Namibia and we did the desert safari. Yeah. yeah. I mean, amazing experience. Yeah. Namibia, a country that has been being spoken about yeah. a lot in Africa. Yeah. It Me had what? some of the most beautiful, beautiful. beaches in mm. Swakomont. Mm. It has, and one of the most beautiful things I saw was mm-hmm. where the Atlantic Ocean meets the Namib Desert. I know? think I saw you posted some pictures about that Absolutely place on social media. Beautiful place. And you got people talking, and as a matter yeah. of fact, a lot of people wondering whether yeah. this is truly Africa. It is Africa. And I saw this gentleman that we're surely going to get on our show, uh, Wondemaya. Yeah. You know, he went to, he went there again and they did his uh, videographies and yeah. all of that. He put on social media. Okay. And it excites a lot of people. No, it does. You could see that. Yeah. Such acts actually helped in improving or, I mean, uh, increasing uh, tourist destination towards Absolutely. those countries and all of that, True. which we feel like is important. Yeah. And the need for us to come up with a show like this, African Rising, mm. and we hope that it's not just about projecting the countries, but also getting policymakers to sit together and have conversations in directions that can help in making policies that can ease the stress, as you mentioned. 
why is it that it's so expensive to move from one African country, country to, to the other? other? But see, I was <laughs> even talking about the promotional aspect when <laughs> I mentioned Namibia. And Namibia, okay. You know, in the sense that, look, I was also recently in uh, Dubai mm-hmm. and I also did the desert safari. Yeah. I tell you, the Namibian experience is it's way better. But the Dubai one has been promoted, you yeah. know. I mean, everybody knows that you go to Dubai to do... But many people do not know about Namibia. big thing in Namibia. It's because basically you know? there's a deliberate attempt by the those in Dubai to make sure yeah, that we so sell it out. The point is that we so, haven't properly yeah, sold, sold the good things we have on the Then continent. I agree with you, absolutely. You know, the promotion yeah. has not been as much as... I mean, look, if I look on my Facebook feed, yeah. I think every time I go on Facebook, I see a promotion of Dubai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know, many things. For instance, what is even funny like is that now those in Dubai, in, in order to sell their products, use Africans as means yeah, to yeah, be doing that. Yeah, I don't know whether you saw the dance go yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, that's and so, what I'm saying. So anytime I open, I see <laughs> yeah. uh, promotional I articles, dance materials, or, uh, Lloyd, yeah. or somebody from Ghana, yeah. and somebody from Nigeria, yeah. from different parts yeah. of the continent yeah. to promote With, their uh, destination. Yeah. So we need to. Understand that promotion is very important. Promotion and marketing and promotion is very important. That I agree. To put in our continent out there for people that, to know the things that, we have. That I agree. So that's one yeah. of the many impediments that we need to clear. And secondly, I will also add the fact that we Africans have taste for foreign materials a whole lot. And that's sort of impaired or sort of cuts, uh, I mean, that kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know how to put it, but you see, trying to project your country, you'll notice that the ones that you're selling your country to who yeah. are the citizens or the citizens of the continent, they themselves are not interested. That apathy yeah. is an area that we need to look at, re-explore and see how best we can help in encouraging domestic tourism. Because for us to be able to sell our own country, the people within the countries in the on the continent needs to be part of the campaign itself they need to be the people who are going to project it so individual countries on the continent which is about 52 i think those who have i mean there should should be a deliberate attempt by authorities of those countries to ensuring that they promote what they have look at benny (laughs) which is not too far away maybe i know have so much but look at them uh look at uh, namibia which you have been to look at Recently, Botswana, Botswana, Botswana for it, yeah. I was in Botswana last year. It's a yeah. very beautiful place. I mean, Botswana has some of the, I mean, maybe perhaps the big, the biggest number of wildlife in, in any part of, of, of the continent, oh, you know, because you go to the Okavango region yeah. and they have everything, yeah. like from, uh, wetland, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh animals yeah. and other wildlife, yes. like crocodiles mm-hmm. and things in the, waterlogged area to the you know the big one Mind. the big fight yeah like the buffalo like uh, lion no so, i mean francis know, has told that, all you know, <laughs> they have all of that yeah. in botswana yeah and it's a very beautiful, beautiful. country yeah i mean yeah. Haberoni, yeah. very small city with beautiful people and beautiful you know sites, sites to see different things and, mm-hmm. and botswana and even Namibia, yeah. they're the biggest exporters of of cattle, Look you know. Anyway, Look at this. And they have, mean they have, they have pride. They have a, lot of, a lot of Fulani people around us. Not area. Fulani, but <laughs> they say there are more. I mean, when we're in Botswana, for yeah. instance, the population of Botswana is about four million. Oh, oh no, two million. And the population of cattle, the population of cattle is about four million. So there were more cattle, cattle than, than, than humans. <laughs> Similar thing also in Namibia. Yeah. Namibia is the smallest country in terms of yeah. numbers, population per capita. But the size of a country is huge, huge, you huge. know, and there's so many things you can see yeah. when traveling across yeah. that, that those, those places. Yeah. So, 
Uh, we need also, like you said, yeah. as a people to promote our own continents. We need to take pride in, in what we have. Look at how we can promote it. Until you learn and to then, appreciate what you yeah. have. You don't expect but outside it's it. it's also important to note that sometimes the impediments are uh, travel yeah. logistics. True. I mean, so for instance, it's easier yeah. to travel f- to Dubai, mm-hmm. pick a plane and go to Dubai, Dubai. than to travel to uh, Namibia, Africa, for, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I think all those things need to be looked at by yes. the powers that be. Then How I, easy do we travel on our continent mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, airlines, airlines and all that? Where if I pick my bag yeah. and I say I'm going to say maybe DR Congo, yeah. it shouldn't be difficult for me. But <laughs> as it is now, yeah. if I'm going to DR Congo, mm-hmm. I need to maybe go all the way to South Africa. The last time I was in DRC was yeah. in... 2014. Look at this. At that time, the trip was I had to go all the way to, to South, South Africa, Africa and uh, lay over for about 12 hours before the next flight to go. Into, I don't know yeah. how things have improved yeah. over the last uh, Francis, almost 10 years. Maybe just but, to add know. a little bit on the impediments that you mentioned. You know, language barrier is also very, 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 I mean, an issue of big concern in that yeah. part of the world. Sure. And I must commend the Francophone communities for making attempts, you find a whole lot of them bringing their children here to learn English just to be able to serve as a bridge between uh, the Anglophone world and also the Francophone world. So in terms of traveling and destination, you notice they come here, but we don't go there. So I think it's equally important that Anglophone-speaking countries also develop that kind of interest in yeah. teaching, you know, I mean, uh, young p- people, the languages, so that the, when they grow with it, that can serve as barrier let's say for instance i'm a tour guide uh in 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 uh, in dr congo and there's a group coming all the way from ghana there's a group coming all the way from nigeria there's a group coming all the way from maybe even the not the northern side of africa morocco yeah. because this this language by bridge that we can have among ourselves i think it's easier to also help in promoting um countries and tourism in those respective countries that we have that's my opinion no, i think it, it's it's, yeah, it's true it's yeah. a fair Fair point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it's not as if we haven't tried out, is it? <laughs> because French is part of the curricula in yeah. English-speaking countries then in I Africa, agree. as much as I know. Yeah. But for but whatever reason, the seriousness uh, it looks like yeah, there's no seriousness, <laughs> seriousness to that. People go to school, yeah. they learn yeah. it, yeah. perhaps because I mean, they don't practice it. So by the next semester. Yeah. Yeah. Or term, they've forgotten oh, about If possible, it. we can have what we call a lingua franca, basically, in the entire Africa. I don't know what, what are the world tourism organization, the UN, WTO, find an interest in that area and sort of see governments through the African Union. And you can sit down and look at Africa in itself. Maybe let's have a language, a common language that cuts across all African countries, you know, just like the United States of America. You know that when you're moving from the states to the other, you don't have to struggle too much because there's a language in there. Mm. When look at Europe, Europe, but that's 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 ideal and that's long. It's a long term project. I think, yeah, Europe is a perfect example of of a continent that has different languages. I agree with you. Um, France, France, yes, speaks speak French. French. You're in Germany, they German. speak German. Yeah. You're in Luxembourg, 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 they speak French, German. Okay. And another language. In Switzerland, they speak French. Yes. German, German. Italian speak Italian. Or Italiano. Italian. <laughs> you know, you're in the Netherlands, yeah. they speak uh, Deutsch. Yes. You know, yeah. but, but there are no barriers. In 2019, yeah. I traveled across yeah. 10 yeah. European and, countries. And, it's and when you get to the to the barrier, yes. the border between yeah. one country and the other. That's <laughs> nothing. They don't even stop you. Look at this. I mean, two years ago, I was speaking to somebody who came from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. They came for a sports exchange mm-hmm. with uh, Tessano Sports yeah. Club. Mm-hmm. They have a, a 
uh, sports club in Ikeja, yeah. right, Lagos. So they came in to have. He said, look, they left on Friday. They left uh, Lagos That's on Friday Lagos. By, by bus. Yeah. They had like three or four buses, buses. on the road. There were about oh, almost a hundred of them or so. <laughs> it took them more than 24 hours to yeah, arrive in Accra. Just... I just that they can just take three hours yeah, or four yeah, hours or maybe maximum, maximum five hours. hours. Then okay, it took I mean, them. You know, so long because mm-hmm. of the borders. You From understand? The semi, the semi border oh, to uh, They spend time, and I'm saying that. And this is same Africa, same Africa, West Africa, Ecowas, Ecowas. You know, it's not like it's not like a different region, like a static or something. Yeah. This is Ecowas, Ecowas, which is supposed to started be easy. before the EEC, yes. which eventually became the yeah, European Union. Union. Yeah. And I'm saying that compared to the experience I had in Europe, yeah, you did get to the border. Yeah. There's, you, there's only been stuff, you, just, you don't know when you are in, in the next country. country. No, it's only side that shows that okay, now you are in Belgium. Bienvenido. From, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, and language hasn't been a barrier to yeah, them, no, not at all. Language has not been not a barrier. So, as much as we should encourage ourselves to speak other languages, yeah. I think authorities need to come to understand that language. Uh, there's, 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 there's some level of. Uh, Beauty in diversity. That's true. You know, I speak that's a different true. language, you speak a different, yeah. but we understand ourselves um, in a way. That's true. But we have to push ourselves to learn French. That's true. But have, yeah. having said that, yeah. I think the leaders of the continent need to understand that language must not be a barrier to travel. Not at all. I mean, when you are in any part of the world, yeah. you may not understand the local language, but you can carry yourself around. You, that's can, true. you have a way of booking your trains. Exactly. You know, going to, I was in Spain. Yeah. I had a very difficult time in Spain because of the language. Because of the language, yeah, the Someone Spanish didn't language. want to speak to me yeah. because I couldn't speak Spanish yeah. or Basque language. Yeah. But I found a way to go on and go, go. and and, and go, get myself around, yeah. you know, and all that. Mm. But we need to make sure that our people travel our continent, regardless of what language they speak. I, they need to come and experience. We need to go and experience. You know, and all that. Visa, yes, will come to that. Exactly, visas, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Exactly. Air, air transport, air transport, you know, exact security, security you know, in various that, countries so. and all of that. Yeah, those things. It, need I read to a be. story not too long ago from one of uh, your former employees, of course, who used to be under you, and uh, she now she now resides in Canada mm. and decided to take a trip to uh, Rwanda with her family. Okay. And apparently, when she got to Rwanda, uh, she misplaced her phone after they she and the family had visited the restaurant. I think she had left her phone behind. The story, the narrative she gave and how she quickly got just a report and the police were able to track the phone to the, where the one who actually had kept the phone for her. Yeah. And in the next few minutes, her phone was brought back to her. Mm. You see, those acts tend to give tourism confidence, tourist confidence in whatever, I mean, in Rwanda, yeah. especially environment like Rwanda. And that will make a lot of people, attract a lot of people to come. So, just to talk about the security, security arch- yeah. architecture. Yeah. The confidence <laughs> that if I'm in that country, exactly. I wouldn't lose my things. Exactly. I wouldn't be stabbed in the back. Could, you would you agree know. with me that yeah. today, as we are trying to promote Africa through the African Rising show, for instance, there are certain countries that when we mention in Africa, nobody wants to go there. Yeah. 
our very own Nigeria. Yeah. There are question marks about Nigeria and Nigerians and how they act on security and all of that. Countries like, uh, I'm sure you mentioned some Burundi, for instance. I hear regardless of what is happening in Burundi, the country is still beautiful. They've got things to the cancel out. Yeah. Is it Somalia? I saw, no. Wandemaya was one in one of those countries that we hear is a war zone for instance. Sudan. Mm. Look at how beautiful they are women. Yeah. Look at, but it's important also we project. No, but I must say that Nigeria is a very beautiful place. Well, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very beautiful <laughs> no, country. You see, and I think some of those perceptions, perceptions. are the things that we need to yeah. find a way to, to yeah. combat. Exactly. That in every country, there are bad people. True. In every country, in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in everywhere you go, there are yeah. bad people. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, the gentleman I said came to, to, to Ghana from Nigeria when they came to have the, the sports yes. Uh, exchange. Yes. 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 He mentioned about yeah. how he left his phone in Ghana, in Ghana, and he got the phone back. He got a phone. Wow, back. you know, he got a phone back. Is and, it an and, iPhone? And, yes, it is. <laughs> Twelve. Yeah, Pro back. very high, high, high. <laughs> Those phones got cannot a phone be back. <laughs> no, the, the taxi <laughs> driver brought back the phone. Wow, and they, and they, they got it. In so, recent times, but a lot of people may say that hey, if. It's in Ghana, you, you not, you lose it, it. But, but there are some good people. But for, for instance, I think it's important we also commend such acts because they tend to more or less like project good image. Let's say, for instance, just recently there was a, a case of a, uh, an unemployed man who had found money in a car. Um, I think about 100,000 Ghana city, which contained yeah. it. Yeah. And he had actually taken it to so a radio station. So 150,000 Ghana city. Yes, 150,000 yeah. Ghana city. And, and look took at it to, to the, the radio, radio station, station and make so sure that the this. owner found it. Yeah. Such stories, publications. Those things need to be promoted. Promoted, yeah. exactly. Because it's, 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 it, it, it speaks good, good about, about how the, the value, because many countries have lost value. True. About that, As a I, mean, result like, of- I mean, some people are saying, "Is this guy normal?" <laughs> like, okay, so yeah. you see this much money, and you not like your yeah. the guy says he's 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 unemployed. Yes, you know, and look so at this. Ordinary- That's even the very intriguing aspect of it. <laughs> An unemployed person yeah. who's struggling to make ends meet yeah. sits in the taxi, yeah. comes across hundred and fifty thousand Ghana city, yeah. and he decides to take. Comes bit, across the, to see what uh, it, it, that would be like about what it, almost fifteen thousand dollars. Yes. And takes it back to yeah. the owner and say, no, I found an ID card. So I believe I can trace whoever this money belongs to. I think that's to. very commendable. And Extremely. To be, I mean, again, I, coming back to tourism, those yeah. things help to promote, promote the fact yeah. that, look, you could be in a country, yes. you may lose something and, and you get it back. Absolutely. And it's important that we promote the little good things that, that happen, happen in African Africa. countries. I mean, <laughs> and kind of downplay a bit some of the things that may, because every country has its own, you know, uh, difficulties. Difficulties. There are people in every country, yeah. but there are yeah. a lot of good people. In Maybe one last thing I might also add on the aspect of bad people. You know, there can be bad people in communities. Yeah. However, the commitment of authorities is all equally important, important in ensuring that they pursue whatever matter that can be for them. Yeah. To it's, uh, it's last, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but you see, so when I have an, a situation where yeah. I, I lose my phone, like the lady who lost her phone in Rwanda, the police do not just take a report and sit down with her acting. Yeah. They make sure they pursue the matter to the, its very finality. And that's where they were able to get the phone and give it back to the lady. Yeah. Now, when she goes back to whichever country she comes from, trust me, she's going to mention and she's going to promote. Going to promote and the, yeah. promotional, the promotion aspect we are talking about, it starts from the word of mouth. 
then eventually it goes on social media. And yeah. you would agree with me that social media is now a powerful tool to promoting tourist destinations like, you know, countries that are do go. Look at what Wondemaya, I just want to use him as an example because we commend him yeah. uh, as an African rising team on the good work he also has been doing on his side, on his side to promoting Africa countries. Absolutely. You see, look at what he's done in uh, Rwanda. I think I saw a video of him taking a trip to Germany and people were referring to, to there was a, there's a lady I saw who said she actually came to Africa for the very first time because of what she saw. Yeah. And well, I think, I think that the young people who have taken travel, uh, more seriously promotion yeah. as a way of life for them, lifestyle, they're doing a lot in promoting the continent. That's I true. mean, I was in, when I was in Namibia, I met a few young people, yeah. about four of them from Nigeria. They said, look, yeah, this is all they do. They travel across Africa, Africa. trying to look at the good things and then promote it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think Woody Maya yeah. and some of these young people yeah. need to really be commended because, Absolutely. I mean, it is through their eyes that many people see the yeah. continent. Yeah. And decide that, and well, also, but apart from Woody Maya, there's one by... man that we need to equally commend. His good friend is Ast- uh, Astos. <laughs> Yeah, Francis is doing a good job as well. I mean, <laughs> you and your friend. No, we try, we try, but well, but as to us, there's nobody. <laughs> We're still looking for him. <laughs> no, so but this is good, and I think that uh, we'll continue to look at how to to encourage these young people who promote the continent and see how they can, you know, bring back the love that we need for ourselves as people on the continent, people out there. But before we end this part uh, today, I think it's important that we. Reference what happened in October when uh, Ghana and South Africa eventually signed the visa you know, waiver, visa waiver mm. agreement. Sure. I think it's important to put it in context that for about four years, uh, South Africa had been holding on, waiting for Ghana yeah. to come around and, yeah. and, and uh, sign the offer that they gave for a visa waiver. And I think it is, it is commendable, Absolutely that, commendable that we eventually got there. It took four years. But we have the results now. We have the results now. Yes. What do you think that means to to travel uh, between the countries, the two countries? Well, you know, before we got on the today's pod, we actually had spoken to somebody from the embassy who was giving figures on how the ten yeah. policy was working. And, and I think we'll get some of those people absolutely. onto the pod to give a bit of explanation yeah. eventually yeah. on the implication yeah. of this. I agree. You know, implication yeah. of this. And yeah. I think we'll get into that. Definitely but, it's got yeah. a positive implication, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, economic wise, because people will be traveling, doing business between the two countries. And you know yeah. how Ghanaians are passionate. But I, I also think on the South, Af- South Africa aspect or side, it also helps a lot looking at how they're trying to promote their tourism, for instance. Now you make it more easier for Ghanaians to, or even schools to organize what we in French Francophone countries we call colonial vacants. Mm. You know, whenever it's vacation, it will be much more easier now to move even young people like students from Ghana to South Africa. So that is going to impact their tourism sector largely, as well as ours as well, because we have a lot of South, South Africans yeah. that will be coming, yeah. you know, then eventually maybe we'll see intermarriages here and there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the people who signed the document had that in mind. No, but I think it should have ease of access between <laughs> the two countries. Yes. You know. I mean, because, you know, we referenced also earlier how uh, visa regimes prevent you know, trade intra Africa travel. Because as Ghanaians, we only had until yeah. until the South Africa the agreement was signed. Yeah. We had 
44 countries that yeah. we could travel around the world. And out of that 44, because yeah. now 45 yeah. from November, yeah. um, 14 are West African West countries. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the remaining yeah. are some African yeah. countries, yeah. some Caribbean yeah. countries. You know, Francis, and, I don't know whether we've yeah. taken our mind to this conversation that this visa waiver com- uh, policy that has been introduced is going to be um, a tool for us to really gauge what the pro- true problem is among the ECOWAS countries. We don't want the same difficulties that we face, even though we they, we are told that you can travel to Benin without visa. I see the kind of tr- interboundary struggles that one has to go through. Yeah. For instance, you mentioned the aspect of your friend who was coming from Nigeria. Yeah. A journey that should take them like 10 hours took them like 24 hours, Absolutely. which is not right. Yeah. Let's see what then happens. Then now we'll be able to know what the true problem is within the West African sub-region as compared to Ghana having a free visa waiver with uh, South, South Africa. Africa. Mm-hmm. Now we can make the comparison and see where truly the problem is coming from. Yeah, but it's, it's not, it's South Africa is not the first. We have visa waivers with some other countries. Kenya. Uh, Kenya. Yes, and Rwanda. I, I pick my bag and go to yeah. Kenya. I pick my bag yeah. and go to Rwanda. Yeah. I pick my bag and go to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Uh, there are other countries that we have like visa on arrival, yeah. like Zambia. Yeah. You know, I don't have to necessarily pre-book before. Because if I get there and I said, okay, I can yeah. have a visa on arrival, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Ghana in 20, no, 2018, 2019, the president <laughs> then, president, uh, no, 20, it's, it's uh, earlier, 2015. That's, I think that we, we said that all countries, all the 54 African countries, <laughs> that those that we didn't have visa waiver yeah. with, you could travel to Ghana <laughs> and get visa on arrival. <laughs> you didn't have to, yeah. you know, and I'm saying that this South Africa uh, Ghana agreement mm-hmm. may be a catalyst to the bigger conversation of sure. how we can, I agree. you know, get to the state yeah. because we're pushing at the AU level. Yeah. Look, Africans should be allowed to, to travel in freely. Africa. You know, you know and it's taking so long. That's going to even make the work of the, uh, what's it called? The African trade, AFCT. AFCT. Yes. AFCT. Yeah, very easy. Yeah. It's, it makes it yeah. easy because. Travel and trade go mm-hmm. hand in hand. That's there's true. tourism, but it's also the trade. Tribe, it's important to yeah. to for the continent's mm-hmm. leaders to come to the realization. And I know, for instance, that there have been conversations, mm-hmm. there have been policies, mm-hmm. there have been things mm-hmm. that are supposed to be happening, yeah. but it's been so slow. Yeah. And I agree. You know, but there's a need to look at expediting yeah. you know those ones. Because yeah. if we're going to have our people travel on our continent, yeah. the ease of access yeah. must be yeah. created. Yeah. Like I mentioned yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. In Europe, yeah. it's not difficult traveling from one country. So long mm-hmm. as you have the, docu- the, 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 the right, documentation. I mean, if I have a Schengen visa, you go everywhere. And, but if I'm a citizen of Europe, yeah. I mean, like a French yeah. citizen, yeah. I don't have to struggle to travel to France, to Italy, to <laughs> Switzerland, to mm-hmm. even though even Switzerland is not an EU country, yeah. but it's an European country. You, know? you don't struggle for yeah. ent- for entry. So that's a to me that's a bigger conversation that we need to look at, so that we can actually pinpoint the issues that is impending the rightful implementations of those policies. It's one thing to have a policy being introduced. It's another thing having the right implementation within that jurisdiction or that society. Context yeah, of, that, that you context. Know, yeah, that context. Because it shouldn't be a problem. When you get to Lume, for instance, you're going to Lume today and you get to a flower, you know, that kind of helps at times they make you go through, you know, on the other side of the border. You yeah. tend to ask yourself, ah, I'm not really from the, everybody's trying yeah. to extort yeah. some money the here. Extortion, you pay yeah. and pay and, and pay. And the pay. next time I would go through that experience, that ordeal, trust me, whoever wants to go through that same, I wouldn't 
advice. And and, and I don't think, honestly, I don't yeah. think that people in, say, Eastern Africa go through the same process. I mean, if I'm a, a Kenyan citizen, I'm going to Tanzania yeah. or Uganda. Mm-hmm. They don't go through that the hell. as much as we do here. Yeah. And I, I, I keep saying that. ECOWAS had been a forerunner to regional you know, integration. integration. Yeah. Then ahead of the likes of SADC, ahead of mm-hmm. the likes of the Eastern Bloc, even Maghreb, Maghreb you know, and yeah. all that. But we haven't properly been able to implement it yeah. in a manner that yeah. our citizens would, you know, be would travel like they say, move free the, movement of goods yes, and services. services. And exactly. people exactly. we have not been able to do that. Right. So there's a need to ensure yeah. that we encourage our leaders yeah. to lead us in that, yeah. you know, scope. Uh, scope. Yeah. And in all the regions and across, you know, yeah. the continent. One final thing that I would like to touch on with your permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. You see would be able to attain some of this things when we probably enumerate the people who actually take the front, I mean, the front lead in all of this. Let's pay them well. When they are paid well, they will not be pushed. They will not be, at, I mean, uh, there will not be temptations to get into certain acts of corruptions that lead to making tourism unattractive, you know, because everybody wants some look of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just an issue that came to mind. And I believe that even though it might not be major, but it's, Actually important we look at. I think it goes beyond just people on the border. It goes to people who are taxi drivers, people at the hotels, uh, waiters and waitresses, you know, and all that. It's a lot. I believe as we go on with this conversation that we'll talk about, bring experts to have a bit of exposition and, you know, open things up a bit for us to properly understand. But this is the main part. And I think that we have set a tone for what will happen on Africa Rising. As I mentioned, this podcast would put Africa out there, put Africa first, look at how we can market this continent as a destination and push ourselves and show the world the good things that we have. There may be some little negative things on the continent, but the positive things are more. And we encourage people to come onto our continent and experience it. So thank you for coming in today and uh, continue to come every day with uh, Africa Rising Podcasts. My name is Francis Doku from Accra. The theme song for the Africa Rising podcast was mixed and produced by Briggs. The podcast is produced by Abdul Hassan Munkaila and edited by Briggs. Production direction is by Priscilla Osei, head of production at Pebble Studios, with Francis Doku as the executive producer. Listen to the Africa Rising podcast on the Pebble streaming app, both on iOS and Android, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are hosted. Africa Rising is produced at the Pebble Studios in Accra for Maestro Africa Travel 24, a division of the Maestro Africa Group.